Nisha, thank you, Judson, for that lovely worship. God bless you all. Um, there's no one like our God. So wonderful, so merciful, and uh, so gracious to all of us. And this morning, I want to go to God's word now. And the title for today's message, God's strength makes us fruitful. God's strength makes us fruitful. Let's close our eyes and look to God. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Uh, one more Sunday you are given to us to worship you. Lord, as we sang, there is none like you, Father. Lord, you're a father who is so gracious and wonderful. We come and bow before you. Minister to us. Hide me behind the cross. Reveal your heart. Reveal your word. Reveal your power. Reveal your grace to all of us. And Lord, we pray that you would help each one of us to respond to your word. Not just listen and keep quiet, but respond to your precious word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The promised verse for our AGAG community is from Isaiah 27 and verse 6. And uh, we know that verse, I'm sure some of us would have by hearted by now. In days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. Blossom and bl bud. And bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. And uh, that's the heart of God. And uh, we see, we will see how the bud is. You will see in a, from an apple tree. You see the next slide. You will find uh, the bud. This was from an apple tree. The bud, it looks beautiful. It looks very promising. Optimistic. It gives us hope. Bud. But the optimism is not realized. The hope is not realized. It's just giving us a hope that one day there will be an apple fruit. The next one is the flower. It begins to open up. Look how beautiful it is. The apple tree with all the flowers around. It looks so pretty, so beautiful. And um, it's amazing to just watch it. But still, the hope is not realized. It has moved from the stage of bud to bearing uh, flowers. It's blossom. Uh, it's beautiful. And then it moves on to the third stage where you find apples you know, all around. It looks so wonderful. I'm sure some of your mouths are already watering. My mouth is. And uh, you know, it must be very juicy, sweet, wonderful, crunchy, and good for making fruit salad, making you know, apple pie and uh, world of salad and so many wonderful things. I just want to create an appetite inside your mouth only. And uh, look at it, so beautiful. This is what our heart of God is. He wants to us to not just bud, then blossom, but come to the sta third stage where we will bear fruit, where we will bear fruit. So if you are in any stage where you are discouraged about your life, maybe feeling useless, maybe thinking, I wasted my life, wasted my talent, wasted my time. I wanted to tell you this promise is coming from the heart of God for all of us. We will look into that a little further. Last three weeks, Pastor and Pastor Abraham Alfred and Pastor Sunny has been uh, teaching us from the scripture and it has blessed us tremendously. 
And uh, we will see further into this uh, what God has kept. Let's read from Isaiah 27, verses 1 to 6. 27, Isaiah 21 to 6. Watch the screen. In that day, the Lord will punish with the sword, his fierce, great, and powerful sword, Leviathan, the gliding serpent, Leviathan, the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. In that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I will water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. And then verse 4. I'm not angry. If only there were briars and thorns confronting me, I would march against them in battle. I would set them all on fire. Or else, let them come to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. Ezekiah prophesied this portion and he prophesied under the reign of four different kings. And finally, under the reign of the fifth king, Manasseh, who was very wicked, he was killed. And Isaiah prophesied for 700 years before the birth of Christ. And the book of Isaiah provides us with the most comprehensive prophetic picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life. First, the announcement of his coming is recorded. His virgin birth is recorded. His proclamation of the good news is recorded. His sacrificial death and also his return to claim his own. And until the end of the world, see, so beautifully, he had given a very comprehensive uh, prophecy about Jesus. And Isaiah also prophesied about the coming judgment on the surrounding nations and also on the people of God for their disobedience. And we find that so that the bulk of the early chapters in Isaiah detail uh, uh, judgments against the people who have turned their back on God showing us that those who persist in rebellion will receive judgment. And coming back to our promised verse, verse 6, it says, In the days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. Whenever you are discouraged, whenever you are feeling lonely, whenever you are feeling down, you feel you have lost something valuable in your life, you can't retrieve it. I advise you, I want to encourage you, memorize the scripture, put your name in the days to come. I will put your name there. My, I will take root. I will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. But the beautiful thing here is the way God takes the scripture. He says, he says a certainty of God's uh, promise for the people to bear fruit will take root, a certainty, will bud and blossom, certainty, fill all the world with fruit, certainty. It is certain, a child of God, as the scripture said, they of Jacob, when they come, when Jacob returns and takes root, there's a condition when the Jacob returns and take root, you will bud and blossom, fill all the world with fruit. And we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, God blessed and said to them, be fruitful, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number, 
Fill the earth with and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That is the heart of God. God's first wish is that Adam and Eve will be fruitful and increase in number. Fruitful meaning they will be productive and be a blessing. That is the heart of God that you and I, with all our weaknesses and shortcomings, will come back to God, take deep root, and we will be productive and be a blessing. Adam and Eve fell into sin, and they started to produce children with sinful nature in them, like their own parents. Now Isaiah is prophesying what will take, part, take place in the future. Verse 6, once again, it says, in the days to come, in the future, the, the prophecy is about the people of Israel after they return from exile in the near future and the redeemed people of God, that is the church in the distant future. The prophecy of Isaiah, if you read very carefully, study very carefully, it was what was happening then in the near future. And it was also a prophecy for the distant future. And uh, this prophecy which God gives for us to bear fruit is also for then and that time for those people, also for you and me as a church in the distant future. That is now we have reached that stage. Now we have reached that stage. Uh, you know the story of exile, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom uh, went into exile. The Assyrians came, destroyed and took the people. And then after a few hundred years, uh, uh, southern kingdom, Judah, was taken captive. But before the southern kingdom was taken captive, Isaiah prophesies and says, after you're taken captive by the Babylonians for 70 years, you will return. You will return. You will come back. And when you come back, when you come to me, I will see that you take root. I will see that you bud and blossom and then bear fruit. How does Israel bear this fruit or how can Israel be fruitful after going into exile? They've lost everything. Everything is destroyed. Their, their temple is destroyed. Their homes are destroyed. Their fields are destroyed. Now they are in exile. They have no rights on their own. But when they come back, God says, I will, I will do it. And Israel is referred to as a vineyard. Now the promise is to be a fruitful vineyard or a vineyard that bears red wine. <clears throat> some translations say fruitful vineyard and some translations say red wine. Please note that. I will come to that a little later about red wine. Remember, there are several challenges as, vineyard, uh, as a vineyard we face to bear fruit. A vineyard faces many challenges to bear fruit. And the nation of Israel had many enemies and some of them are Babylonians the Egyptian, the Assyrians, and other traditional enemies that were surrounding that nation. They started to form leaks and attack Israel. And in this chapter, the work of God to make Israel to bud, blossom, and be fruitful is mentioned very clearly after coming back from exile, after coming back from his, after the return back. Now, how does they, how will they bear fruit? After they've been invaded, nothing will be left in their life. This is not what, was, what has already happened. It's going to happen. The first one is very interesting. I was reading this and I found that 
it is all the work of God. It is the work of God. If you and I can be fruitful, please have this in mind. It can only be the work of God in and through our lives. Verse 1. In that day, the Lord will punish with his sword, his fierce, great and powerful sword, Leviathan the gliding serpent, Leviathan the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. And uh, this is the first verse. The nation is a is a wreck because they had forgotten God. They had went away from God and their enemies have come and destroyed them. And now God tells very clearly, I will wreak havoc on your enemy. You are a wreck now, but I will wreak havoc on your enemies. And actually the whole section of this portion in Isaiah starts from Isaiah 13. From Isaiah 13, uh, it starts very carefully and where, uh, you know, Satan, the picture of uh, a serpent is uh, very in, in disguise is spoken from chapter 13. And Leviathan uh, mentioned here is a serpent-like mythical monster that represents wicked nations like Egypt. And if you read Job chapter 41 and verse 34, God called Leviathan a king over all the children of pride. That scripture, I did not put it on the screen. 41.34, God called Leviathan a king over all the children of the, uh, uh, king over all the children of pride. Gliding serpent, coiling serpent, a deceitful one. You know, someone who is very wicked, deceitful, who plots our downfall. And verse 1 says, he will slay the monster in the sea. The enemy of God's people cannot hide from God's presence anywhere. Sennacherib was the enemy of God's people from Assyria. Nebuchadnezzar was God's people's enemy from Babylon. And Pharaoh as was, God, was an enemy of God's people. And he's called as Leviathan and the dragon. If you read that. In Psalm 30, 74, verses 13 and 14. The next slide, uh, Psalm 74, 13 and 14. You divided the sea by your strength. You smashed the heads of the dragons of the sea. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You fed them to the creatures of the desert. This context, if you see, it's about the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, chasing the people of Israel and how he is slain with his team in the sea. So you find that uh, you can find the same thing mentioned in Isaiah 51 verse 9 and Ezekiel chapter 29 and verse 3. We don't have time to go into all that. We will come back to the main thing. And the New Testament church has its own Leviathans. In those days, the Leviathans, uh, the enemies uh, were, were there for the people of Israel against them. And for us also as the children of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we have our struggles, we have our challenges. In Revelation 12 and verse 3, the Bible talks about the great red dragon ready to devour. Great red dragon uh, ready to devour us. Uh, you find that in Psalm 74, verse 13, dragons of the sea. Now the great red dragon. And uh, remember uh, well that anything which challenges the place of God in our lives is a monster and the dragon. Anything which challenges the place of God in our lives is a monster and the dragon. Enemy is a formidable evil. 
very formidable and very evil. But God wants us to be vigilant. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, be vigilant, be sober, be, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Like a roaring lion, trying to put fear in us, um, trying to bring lots of uh, you know, attack upon us. And uh, have you seen some of these uh, uh, national geography as well as uh, uh, discovery channels? Uh, you find that how uh, the, 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 the lions, you know, they go in a, in, in a group to attack, you know, attack. In a pack, they attack their prey uh, to eat them. And uh, devil like a roaring lion is there at the back of you and me. Remember that. And 2 Timothy 2, 25 to 26, the Bible says, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil was taking them captive to do his will. Just think of it. The demonic powers is there to take people captive according to his will. So, when he takes us captive, when he takes our mind captive, he will be able to do what he wills to do through our lives. Because we are captive, taken according to his will, and we will be submitted to his will. So that's why Peter says, be vigilant, be careful. Paul says, uh, you know, instruct people so that there is a hope. Instruct means not gently instruct. This is for the believers. Gently instruct people who are opposed to the truth. And, uh, but we are not to be frightened because in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, uh, the Bible says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What a beautiful assurance for you, my dear brother, my dear sister. And having disarmed Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities of the enemy, the Leviathan, the dragon, the Satan, the demonic forces, all its wicked schemes, he made a public spectacle of them, putting them to open shame and triumphing over them by the cross. The cross was meant to destroy Jesus, but Jesus triumphed using the cross. Today, for a Christian, cross, when we talk about the cross, it's not that wooden emblem that we wear it on our neck and talks about our crucified life. Life dying to self, our ambitions, our passions, our own ways, our own justifications, everything to, to, to kill it, to, to make it die. That is the cross. And we will be able to triumph. And Ephesians 1, uh, 3, the Bible says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings with every spiritual blessings. What a beautiful uh, scripture that is. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessings. And then he goes on in verse uh, 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
I wanted to, uh, uh, the scripture you would have heard before, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, 1, yesterday I read this beautiful passage. It says, uh, Paul, Peter writing to the people, he says, I've written two epistles, epistle 1, epistle 2. And in epistle 2, in verse uh, uh, 1, he says, I'm writing this to you so that to stir up your pure minds by way, by way of reminder. If you have your Bible, you can turn and see. To stir up your pure mind. Just imagine, it's not minds, pure minds. To stir up your pure minds by the way of reminder. That's why for you and me, we should go to God's word constantly. Constantly to God's word. God's word. Even though if we are living a life pleasing to God, that word should constantly remind our minds about what God has done for us. And today it's a reminder once again this morning for you and me that God, uh, the, the, the scriptures record a prayer for our spiritual well-being. Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. And he prays, one important thing is in verse 19, I pray that you will know his incomparably great power for us who believe. And he explains that power. That power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted on Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the world to come. Just think of it. God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus triumphed on the cross over Satan, and now God has raised him up to be seated in the heavenly realms in Christ, uh, heavenly realm at the right hand of God, and look at the word that is used in verse 21. Far above, not just above, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. What a beautiful promise it is. What, what Christ has accomplished. But the beautiful thing is, he did not accomplish and leave it there for himself. You read Ephesians 2 and verse 6. Here the Bible says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He has raised Jesus, made him to sit at the right hand of God, far above every evil powers. Not only that, he has raised you and me up and made us to sit with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What a promise it is. My dear brother, my dear sister. The Leviathan, God says, I will destroy you to the people of Israel so that when you come back, you will be fruitful. For you and me, God has made a way. He has destroyed the Leviathan. He has destroyed the satanic powers. And he has raised you and me up, made us sit in heavenly realms in Christ, far above all principalities and powers. Dragon, serpent, Satan, devil, and its demons are not just under our feet, but we are far above them by living in Christ. It can never touch us. We can be fruitful. It can never just come and destroy the vineyard of God. We can bear lovely grapes. We can be fruitful. But sadly, the church of Jesus Christ is in general is living like paupers spiritually. We, we, we are frightened of the demonic powers. We are frightened of the evil powers in this world. We need not have to be frightened of these demonic powers. We can, we can really 
live and face these challenges and be a challenge to the power of enemy. And uh, if we have passion for holiness, our hearts will cling to God's word. If we have a passion for holiness, please note this very carefully what I'm saying. If you and I have a passion for holiness, our hearts will cling to God's word. And if we do not have a passion for holiness, then we must cling to God's word and see the different God's word will make in our lives. I hope you get what I'm saying. First is, God, uh, if you have a passion for holiness, our hearts will cling to God's word. And if you do not have a passion for holiness, then we will cling to God's word and see the difference between God's word will make in our lives. God's word will propel our hearts to enter into his presence and to seek his face. His word will guide us. Even if you don't have a passion for God, come to his word, read, study, and that will propel you to come into God's presence. Isaiah says, you, Jacob, will take root and Israel will blossom and bud. And will, will, will blossom and bud. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Remember that. We will blossom and bud. First, the Leviathan has to be taken care of. And God has taken care of it on the cross of Calvary. He has taken care of it on the cross of Calvary. What a beautiful promise for you and me. There was a heavyweight boxing champion. Just a story to throw a point. Because the Bible says... God has conquered, Jesus has conquered, and we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There was a heavyweight boxing champion. He sweats it out, and uh, he goes on to severe training and a strict diet. And when the day of the boxing championship comes, he goes in, he boxes, and um, he gives some punches and some jabs, undercuts, and finally, he makes the opponent flat and he's crowned the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. He has sweated it out. He has worked for it. He has shed his uh, precious time in get, getting this victory. He gets a trophy, a suitcase full of money. He gets it home. His wife is in the car. They come home. The wife tells him, darling, please sit and relax, watch TV. I've made some nice food for you, eat. And then she takes that suitcase and she goes for her own shopping. Now, he is a conqueror and she is more than a conqueror. He wins. She enjoys the fruit of victory. My dear brother, my dear sister. This may sound very funny, but that is what has happened to you and me. He has won the victory and you and I can enjoy the fruit. He will wreak havoc on the enemy. Second one, he will watch over and water his vineyard. He will wreak havoc on his enemy. He will watch over and water his vineyard. Verse 2, it says, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, Watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. Day and night, no one will harm it. King James Version, 
It says, in that day, sing to her a vineyard of red wine. It is said that the red grapes grown in that land of Palestine was extremely of rich quality. And it yielded, when they fermented it, yielded extremely good red wine. And uh, the King James Version translators use that word red wine. And uh, the NIV translator used it fruitful wine, whatever it is. I wanted to tell you, God wants to make you and me a fruitful wine of the high quality, of the highest quality. Israel is compared to a wine brought from Egypt. You have heard that before. And if you read uh, Psalm 80 and verse 8, you brought a wine out of Egypt. You drew out the nations and planted it. He took a small wine, small wine, brought it out from Egypt. That's what he says, weak, nothing. And he drew out the nations and planted that vine in the land of Palestine. Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 2, it says the same thing. God calls Israel as a vineyard. He planted and took care to bring the desired fruit and instead yielded wild grapes. That's what Isaiah begins the prophecy with. And now he says in 27, when you, you will go to exile because you're, well, you're bearing wild grapes, but you will come back. When you come back, you will take root, you will bud, blossom, and bear fruit. So here you find Israel is compared to the vineyard of God, to a vine. And God says, all this will take, all this will change when Israel, when Jacob, Israel begins to take root. And in John chapter 15, Jesus spoke about his disciples as the branches attached to, to that true vine. You and I are the branches attached to the true vine. Jesus, the Old Testament said, Israel was the vine that God brought out from Egypt. But in the New Testament, Jesus compares himself to the true Israel and say, I am the vine. I am the vine and you are the branches. The people of God and the church is compared here to the vineyard of the future. This vineyard will be to be fruitful. It needs care. The vine is tender plant, needing continual care. And if the vineyard is not well fenced and guarded, enemies of the vine are sure to get into and destroy it. Charles Spurgeon, he says, his care extends to every little branch, to every spreading leaf, and to every clinging stem of that vine, which he undertakes to keep night and day. That is the explanation Charles Spurgeon gives. He takes care. My dear brother, my dear sister, today, you and I are not destroyed because of the tender care God gives to you and me. Every branch, little branch, every spreading leaf, think of it, and every clinging stem of that vine, which undertakes to keep night and day, you and I have been kept by the power of God now, till now. Why? Why? For us to be fruitful. For us to be fruitful. And the first one I wanted to tell is guardianship. He says, I will watch over it. The keeper gives us whole attention to its protection. He guards us from every enemy of our soul. The enemies can enter the vineyard and destroy the vine 
and God assures, I will keep you safe so that you can bear, bear fruit. First one is, remember, he has placed conscience as a great watchman of our soul. The conscience which God has placed is a powerful watchman, but our conscience has got limitations. Remember that. You and I can harden our conscience and finally let deaden our conscience. But when you and I are sensitive to what our conscience tells us from the very beginning, all the little things, warnings, I'm telling you it is the work of God. God is working in us to guard us, to protect us so that no enemy can come and destroy us. Then God has kept pastors and good biblical teachers who want us with good teaching. You have to be very careful. Today, I'll tell you so many wrong teaching. People who had, who had good teaching once, today, there are wrong teachings spreading. Today, fanciful things are becoming very, very wonderful for people's ears. I've seen people jumping from here and there, here and there, new doctrines, new teaching, new churches. New, uh, new surroundings and uh, new, uh, new, new uh, what is it, uh, concepts they wanted to entertain. Nothing, no, no firm uh, uh, foundation on God's word. And the third one is God's word teaches us when you and I begin to study the scriptures, meditate every day. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Just think of it, teaching. It tells us what is right. It teaches us what is right. Rebuking tells us what is wrong. The word of God tells us what is wrong. Correction, correct. It corrects us from what is wrong to do what is right. Tells us, yes, this is wrong. And then finally, training in righteousness. It helps us to stay right. It tells us what is right. It tells us what is wrong. It corrects the wrong and helps us to stay right. That's God's word. That's God's word. And um, it is up to you and me how we want to go to God's word. Whether we want to be fruitful, we will try to take deep root in God's word. We will try to take deep root in God's word. And... Um, Next one is provisions. He says, I will water it. The act of watering means all necessary provision required for nourishment of the vines and the production of fruit. God says, I will take care of it. For you to bear fruit, I will water. I will take care. I will do everything possible. Give you all the nourishment. What a God, the pastor, when he was praying, during our pre-service prayer, he said, God is not, he, I mean, uh, when he introduced, he said, no, God is not stingy in the beginning of our service. God is not stingy. He will water, he will lavish it with nutrients. And the Holy Spirit is likened to the water of life, which Christ has promised to give freely to those who ask him. He waters it with his word from above, and then he gives us his Holy Spirit for us to understand. Fruitfulness is possible when the soil is nourished well with nutrients and good water. God does his part. He's asking you and me, will you respond? My son, my daughter, you've been caught up 
with so many other things. You are giving a little importance to God and his word. God says, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting with my word to talk to you, to reveal my heart to you, to reveal my will to you, that you will become fruitful. Water is there. Everything is there. I can give you. Come to me. The provision is there. Today, in this COVID-19, we have the vaccinations. So the government has made it, not mandatory, but it said those who want to take vaccination, they can come and take. God, word, God's word is much more. He says, I have the water if you want, come. And he also says in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, uh, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Sir, give me this water. Can you and I say, Lord, give me this water. Give me this water. Sir, give me this water. When you lie down, you tell, you and I should tell God, Lord, give me this water. When you're having your bath and using water, you say, Lord, give me this water, which you give, not this water, but your water. When you're drinking water, let's say, Lord, when we're drinking water, let's say, Lord, give me your water. He's willing to do it. Charles Spurgeon again said in another place that God is both a wall and a well to his people. He's a wall and he's also a well to his people. May God help you and me. The water that Jesus gives becomes a fountain and will begin to flow. Rivers of living water will flow through you and me. The fullness that God has kept so that we can be fruitful and see, it talks about vigilance. Keep it constantly, night and day. I will guard it, I will water it, and I will be keep it constantly. The great God never slumber, no sleeps. Uh, he knows the enemy that can come within and destroy us. Pruning is part of growth and fruitfulness. We left our garden for nearly one and a half months. We did not do anything. We went. We found uh, it was all messy. We had to prune. It was difficult. Beautiful plants. We have to prune and look as if nothing is there. But we know in time to come, it will begin to sprout beautiful leaves and become bushy and wonderful. Pruning is difficult. Sometimes God keeps us in, in case any pest comes in. He wants to prune us. He wants to discipline us. Or sometimes, uh, you know, difficulties and challenges come and throw us off the path into our struggles and to concentrate on our struggles and our problems instead of focusing on what God called us. And that's why God said in Psalm 55 verse 20 to cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous to be shaken. The scripture, please memorize. Make it personal because the cares on the in this world will always be there for you and me as a believer. And God says, cast all your burden upon me. Cast all your cares on me and I will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. 
God does that. And Psalm 22 and verse 24, for he was not despised, nor abode the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Yes, my dear brother, my dear sister, God's care for you extends that we will be fruitful and be a blessing. And in Deuteronomy 8 and 4, verse 4, he said, your clothing did not wear out and your feet did not swell during this 40 years in the wilderness journey. That's the care of God. He's vigilant. He's taking care of his people. And same thing is repeated in Deuteronomy 29, verse 5. And the Lord said, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. And in Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 8, he says, whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. That is the vigilant way that God takes care of you and me. He will watch over you and he will guard us. He will watch over us. Not to allow any of these things to come. And any of these things comes to harm us. God says, I am there, my son, my daughter. I can take care of you so that you can go and bear fruit. You can go and bear fruit. He will wreak havoc on the enemy. He'll watch over and water his vineyard. And finally, he will warm them with his love, forgiveness, and strength. What a gracious God. He says, I'm not angry. If only there were briars and thorns confronting me, I would march against them in battle. I would set them all on fire. Or else, let them come to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. I am not angry. In another translation, it says, fury is not in me. Fury is not in me. And uh, in NIV, it says, or else let them come to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Or let them make peace. Uh, let them uh, make peace. And let them make peace. Yes, let them make peace with me. And another translation says, or let them take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. Refuge and strength. God says, my son, my daughter, fury is not in me. Uncontrolled anger is not in me to destroy you. And he says, if you were a thorn and a briar, I would have destroyed. No, you're a vine. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a play for words as well as commentators uh, disagree uh, on the meaning. Uh, but I find uh, to go in the flow, I find that God is telling the people of Israel, you are not uh, a briar or a thorn who is confronting me. If that was it, I would have marched again and battled and destroyed it. No, you're a vine. You are supposed to bear fruit. And then he says, very beautifully, I am your refuge. I'm your strength. Come to me. Make peace with me. If you have gone astray from God, or if you have been lethargic, if you have been given, you are given importance, you are, you are given your importance only to your work and other things in your life. God is telling me, my son, my daughter, I want to be a refuge. I want to be a strength. The work the other things in this world can never be a refuge and your strength. Only I can be a refuge and only I can be a strength. Our God is a strict God. Yes, he is so strict that he will never spare our disobedience. But at the same time, he loves us so much 
that he wants to restore us and make us fruitful. And God invites this unfruitful Israel, come, take refuge in me. Draw strength for me and I will make you a blessing. God is so generous, gracious to share his strength and so gracious to give us refuge. Make peace with me. What an invitation. Make peace with me, a God of this universe telling you and me, make peace with me. This peace of God will help them to dwell in peace in the land that will be, become conducive for fruitfulness. When they have peace from all the enemies, when they have make peace with God, their enemies will become God's enemies. And they need not have to worry about the enemy. God will take care. And God says, you will become conducive for peace and for fruitfulness. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. This, uh, the Isaiah said, uh, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. When we take refuge in God, make peace with God and uh, trust him, he will keep our mind in peace. He will wreak havoc on the enemy. He will watch over and water his vineyard. He will Warm them with his love, forgiveness, and strength. Now coming back to verse 6. In days to come, you and me can take root. We will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. Why? Because God has taken care. God's care, forgiveness, love, and strength alone makes us fruitful in this world. God has done everything possible for Israel. He says, I have taken care of the Leviathan. I will watch over you and water you and take care. I will help you by making peace with me. I'll make all the conditions conduce you for you to make, to be fruitful. Come to me and take refuge. I wanted to tell you, my dear brother, my dear sister, Christ defeated Satan on the cross. And given us the joy of enjoying that victory freely. He has given us his Holy Spirit and his word to care for us. And his love, his blood, which is willing to wash us from all sins and weaknesses. And to live in peace with God. Jesus did everything for you and me. So that we can respond and be in peace. We can respond and be living in peace. What more do we need? To respond to his call. Because God through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Will enable each one of us to be fruitful. Some of our garden, garden, uh, garden plants produces buds. And nothing more. And buds fall away. We go to garden. My wife and me go to garden. We see the buds. They are so excited. But after some time. The buds fall away. Sometimes. It moves to another stage where it becomes fruit. Flowers are there. We are very excited. Buds have become flowers. And next is going to be the fruit. Sometimes it stops with that and the flowers fall away. Very disappointing. Very sad. 
we begin to wonder we are not uh, farmers we don't know we are not uh, agricultural scientists we don't know the reason we try to dig deep to know why these flowers are falling not born fruit but some begins to bear fruit it moves to the next stage and bears fruit i wanted to ask you this question where do you stand where do you stand you can call upon god you know in a five star hotel in the room service when a person asks for some basic some basic things it comes into the room knocking in few seconds why they kept some of the basic things stocked in each floor when a guest calls the room service the room service informs the floor and say so and so guest in so and so room wants this go and give it to them they come knocking in a few seconds they come knocking i was thinking when they can think of a guest who's paying money to care for them so quickly and give them what they want how much more our heavenly father is there close to your heart and my heart if you and i can ask him lord make me fruitful lord make me fruitful i said in isaiah chapter 5 god was disappointed with the people of israel and jacob because they were bringing wild grapes but over a period of time god says i will begin to work and see that you will bear fruit i want to invite you come to god and say lord i want it to take root i want it to take deep root in you i have gone i have gone doing what i wanted i have chased my dreams and it is going on far away from me i lead i yield my professional life i yield my ministry i yield everything to you 2021 at the end of the year when i turn back i want to give you praise and say lord you have made me fruitful but come now to take to deep root come now to take root come now to take a strength come now to take refuge under the wings of god he will do it he did everything for you and me on the cross and all that he wants us from you and me is respond we are more than conquerors he says my son my daughter i am close to you more than any other hotel room service order taker was close to the room i'm much closer you ask me and i will make it come to me make peace with me take me as your refuge draw strength from me i will do everything possible what more do we need let's look to god in prayer